Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Paper Kings Part 2. I'm looking for a king who does God my way, Part 2. Recorded Sunday, June 12, 2022. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Dan with today's message. Hey, when Angela and I were in our late 20s, uh, we were serving here in youth ministry, and uh, we, uh, we took a group of middle school students from here at Third City to Rocky Mountain National Park, just a, a long weekend in the mountains, us and a dozen students, um, Scott Jones and a couple of other sponsors. We got there late at night, set up camp at Jellystone Park, just a bunch of kids in tents and not getting any sleep, and uh, we get up early the next morning before sun even rises. We're at the trailhead to hike up Estes Cone. And it's a beautiful hike if you've done that. It's a beautiful morning, but not very far into the journey, I realize that I have not adjusted to the altitude. And so I'm stopping at lots of trees, not, not to lean, right? Like I'm stopping at trees for other reasons, and I'm not doing good at all. There's lots of pit stops along the way. And of course, they're middle schoolers. And so some of them weigh 72 pounds and they're just bouncing up the mountain, right? But then we have a couple of middle schoolers that are even behind me. And so it's, uh, it's one of those kinds of days. And so we, uh, we get to the top after a few pretty unenjoyable hours for me and, and we're standing at the lookout and it's really, really beautiful. And I remember as the fearless leader just sitting there saying, let's just stay here, you know? Like, it took us a long time to get up here. It took me a long time to get up here. Let's just sit down, eat lunch, and, and just sit. And maybe they'll bring a helicopter, right? Like, something like that. But, you know, some of those middle school boys, they had been up there for over an hour waiting for me. And so they're like, it's time to get back to camp. And so Taylor Jones just starts rolling down the mountain, you know, and, and uh, he's ready to go. But as we're going down the mountain, I'm feeling a little bit better in my stomach. But then you start to realize that going down a mountain has an impact on different muscle groups, right? Like your, your knees start to get sore and your hip flexors are doing something. That I, didn't, I didn't know I had hip flexors, but I found out that day. And uh, I'm just done. And on the way down the mountain, one of the girls twisted her ankle, and she whined for four miles. Uh, she started with, my foot hurts. And I said, toughen up. She said, I don't think I can do it. And I said, you can and you will. Like, I'm preparing for fatherhood at this very moment. And she says, finally, could you carry me? And I said, I could, but I won't. <laughs> like, you are walking down this mountain. I learned that day that coming down the mountain is something, or sometimes more difficult than going up the mountain. I learned the next day that she had actually broken her ankle, and I was a terrible person. And you learned this morning why Josh and Parker and Christina lead our youth ministry instead of me. <laughs> last week, Scott taught through most of Mark chapter 8. Peter's asked one of the most important questions anyone can ever be asked. And he's asked this question by Jesus, who do you say I am? And Peter, who we tend to laugh at because when he talks, uh, like I looked it up this week, Peter, uh, someone took the Enneagram test for him. I didn't know you could do that, but you know, they did. And it turns out he's a seven. Uh, any, any sevens here this morning? All right, I am. 
No, if you're a seven, you'd be raising a hand and saying, let's go, right? And so they say that Peter's a seven. He kind of the life of the party guy. Uh, and he takes this approach in speaking that looks more like ready, fire, aim. And I don't know if you're like that, but that's crept up on me several times in my life, and several times just this week, you know, where you speak and then you start to think about what you said. And it's like, ooh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. And Peter hears the question and he replies like this. He says, you are the Christ, the son of God. And we're kind of used to Peter putting his foot in his mouth. But on this, case, this occasion, he doesn't answer the question pretty well. He nails it. And I'm guessing he turned to the other disciples and he's just like, hey, guys, I didn't screw it up. You know, like I did it right. And Scott then took us through Jesus' teaching about surrender and what it looks like to carry a cross. And Jesus clearly lays it on the table, what's about to take place, that there's going to be a rejection, there's going to be an arrest, there's going to be a crucifixion, and then a resurrection. And Peter decides that Jesus needs a little bit of a pep talk he says, never, Lord. In the book of Matthew, it records that he says, this shall never happen to you. Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're seeing things from a human point of view rather than a godly one. And that's where we pick it up this morning in the beginning of Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 2. It says that after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him. And led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. Now Peter, he's still experiencing a little bit of a case of confidence, whiplash. He's had some really good moments and uh, some really bad. And I'm guessing for the last six days, that rebuke from Jesus just kind of played on a loop in his mind. And he's living in kind of the muck of his failure. And none of the three knows why they were chosen to go on this trip. And really, 2,000 years later, neither do we. Uh, Maybe it's because Jesus knew the other disciples trusted these three. But it's equally possible that Jesus just knew that these three couldn't be trusted back at camp, right? Like, you take the troublemaker with you. (laughs) But as they're walking up the winding trail towards the peak, and the path gets a little thinner and a little thinner as they brush through the the weeds and and the plants... I'm I'm guessing that they're thinking back to the last time it was just the four of them. The last time that Jesus pulled the three aside and said, you three go with me. And they go into the home of a girl who has just died. And Jesus tells everyone else to stay outside, his disciples and those who were following. He takes them inside. Jesus goes into the room and everyone's mourning. Scott taught on this a few weeks ago. And Jesus speaks into the silence and he says, Talitha Kaum, which means little girl, get up. And the, for the first time, the disciples witness resurrection. And as they reach the summit, their anticipation is met with one of the most defining moments in Jesus' ministry. It says, there he was transfigured before them. <clears throat> His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone could bleach them. Now, I'm guessing that Mark, when he wrote this, this is maybe the sentence that he wishes he could have a a retake on. Uh, Maybe he could come up with something a little bit better. Here's what his friends had to say about it. Matthew, when, when he wrote about this same situation, he said, 
His face shined like the sun. Like, that's pretty good. And when Luke wrote about it, he said it was like flashes of lightning. And Mark's like, really good bleach. You know, like, wider than my mom could get it. You know, like, I think he wishes he could have this back. But there's a couple of serious points about this that I think we need to really grab onto. The first one is that Jesus was transfigured. And now that's kind of a a churchy word. You don't hear that in a lot of places. He was transfigured, not illuminated. See, illumination is something that we experience every day. There's lights on me right now so that you can see me. Or you may use a light next to your bed so you can read your book. Or our, our phones and our devices are backlit so that we can see the words. Or if you're working on the engine of a, a motorcycle or a car, you, you shine a light right at that thing. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all make it clear in their descriptions that the light of Jesus came from within him. He was the source of the light, not the thing that was being revealed by the light. And second, while this little sentence is amazing, understand that it's not a miracle. There's a commentary writer that I like to read when I'm preparing for a Sunday. His name's David Guzik, and this is what he has to say about this sentence. He says, this was not a new miracle, but a temporary pause of an ongoing miracle. See, the real miracle was that Jesus, most of the time, could keep from displaying his glory. I've got to think if that's all that happened today, or that day, if that's all that they had experienced, it would have been enough. But it goes on, there's more. It says that, and there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And understand, if you were a Jewish child, it couldn't get any better than this. Uh, You're with your two biggest heroes of your faith, Moses and Elijah. My guess is that they had some kind of little figurine like we do now, right? Like a carved figurine of Moses and and of Elijah. And and so they see these two, and Moses is maybe holding tablets. And I don't know how they knew who Elijah was. They must have just caught it in conversation. Moses, who's been dead for 1,400 years, is standing here representing all of the law. Elijah, who has been gone for 900 years, stands there representing and being the greatest of all the prophets. And so for both of these heroes, if you look back in their stories in the Old Testament, you'll see this is their second time to meet God on a mountain. It's like the entire Old Testament showed up to say, it has always been about you, Jesus. Everything, Genesis through Revelation, is about you, Jesus. Essentially, Peter says this. He says, this is what I'm talking about. Forget all of that suffering stuff and the arrest and the rejection. Let's set up camp and stay right here with Jesus shining in all of his glory. We'll, we'll put up tents and we'll just stay here. We'll build a kingdom. See, Peter makes a couple of mistakes The first mistake Peter makes is that he kind of puts Elijah and Moses on even ground with Jesus. He fails to recognize the supremacy of Christ. I'll build a shelter for each of you. 
And it's easy to see how he would do this. You see, throughout his life, he's been taught the Old Testament. And Moses and Elijah, they're, they're the goats. You know, they're, they're the greatest of all time when it comes to law and prophecy. And now, seeing them up close and personal, they serve as more of a distraction from the main attraction. See, we all have our own set of distractions that beg for our attention. And it's why I love the fact that we're taking most of this year to read through Mark's gospel together so that we can hone in on the most important things and remind ourselves it is always about you, Jesus. You are the most important thing. John Mark Comer in his book says that we suffer from this thing called thingification, where we just focus on all the different things around us. We want to add things. We want to add events. We want to add priorities, all this stuff to our life. We fill up our schedule, our minds, and our budgets with hobbies, toys, pursuits, and interests that dominate our time and our attention. And those things that we're seeking after, they're not necessarily bad things. They're just not the best things. And I'm guessing the same thing is true for you that's true for me way too often, that we let the good things stand in the way of a God thing in our lives. Peter needed to hear the lesson that we're taught in Colossians chapter 1. It says... The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is, he is the beginning and firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything, he might have the supremacy. See, Jesus is supreme in this world, and he wants to be supreme in our lives as well. He says, I'll be your savior, but I need to be your Lord as well. See, Peter's second mistake is he's following the wrong agenda. He wants to grab a little bit of, a, of control of the mission agenda. I don't know if any of you suffer from that. You want to be at the steering wheel. You want to say this is where we're going and when we're going there. But that's what he's doing. And I think he does this for one or, or both of two reasons. First, maybe he's attempting to hold on to this mountaintop experience because he's not real fond of that plan that Jesus laid out six days ago. He, he's wrestling with that and he doesn't want to go that pathway of rejection and, and death. See, in Peter's mind, the idea of Jesus, the Messiah, King Jesus, he thought, I know what that looks like. I've been around kings my whole life. And a king builds a kingdom on top of a mountain, and from there they rule in power. Peter wants to put a crown on Jesus, but not one made of thorns. And it makes sense to Peter that the preferred pathway is one of power, of strength, rather than sacrifice. And so let's stay right here and build a kingdom that can crush our enemies. Suffering, rejection, death. Man, those things, they seem like things that a king should impose, not experience personally. And what Peter is, says is, I want, I, I want a God who does things my way. The second possibility is that Peter's attempting to hold on to this mountaintop experience because it was Awesome. Like, can you imagine being there? And, and Jesus glows, and, and now these heroes just poof, show up. 
Nobody's ever experienced what they're experiencing. Jesus, Moses, and Elijah have never been together in one place physically together. And greater than that, for just a moment, they got a true glimpse of Jesus' identity and glory. And while we likely won't experience that scene during our lifetimes, I think we all have moments that are pretty great. We all have moments that are things that we would like to do 24-7. For, for some of you, this includes my wife. Like when we sing together, that's like your mountaintop. Um, for me, uh, I'm a little more scarred when it comes to music. You know, I've had people plug their ear next to me while singing. I really have. Uh, and, and, and I get nervous about people hearing my voice. And so, you know, we kind of sit where there's a few people and I don't sing real loud. And, and I'm like, can we just get to the sermon? Can we just get to the sermon? When Scott's preaching, can we just get to the sermon? Can we just get to the sermon? Uh, <laughs> in fact, a few years ago, Ransom, who was leading worship this morning, he made a bet with me. Um, He's got a little bit of a problem that way. He's got a problem because he won and I lost. And, and what I had to live with is we were working in a campus ministry at the time. I had to lead worship the next week. And all week I'm super nervous about it. Uh, just sweating bullets like, oh man, I can't do this. If you think I sweat up here sometimes when I'm teaching, like you should have been there that night. It was embarrassing and terrible and, and my worst nightmare. In fact, this week uh, I woke up in a cold sweat because I really did have a dream that Ransom was sick today. I showed up on Sunday morning, and he's sick. And on top of that, everyone who's capable, they were gone. And so it turned out that I was going to preach a sermon after I led worship. And uh, I, I call that a nightmare. And so would you if, you if you experienced it. You would call that a nightmare. And so singing might not be my thing. But community? Like, let's go. If I could get my small group to do something together five nights a week... Like I'd be in my zone. And all of us have something, some preferred method or moment within the church. Maybe how you're being taught scripture on Sundays or in a small group. Maybe that's your thing where you're just, you're taking notes like crazy because you love it and it's your mountaintop experience. Or for you, it might be just holding doors and welcoming people with a smile as they come in. That's an act of worship for you. And it becomes this mountaintop or, or leading a group on Wednesday night or whatever that is. All, all kinds of things can serve as those mountaintop experiences for us. And it would be tempting to just say, let's stay there 24-7. Let's just set up camp and stay where we're most comfortable. And so God literally speaks into the situation. It says, then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. It said, this is my son whom I love. Would you listen to him? And suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. And the next sentence begins with the words, as they were coming down the mountain. And I think it's that moment when Peter hears God say, would you listen? He's like, I get it. We'll go with your plan. We'll come down off of this mountaintop because it's your plan. We'll face whatever we're going to face because it's your plan. We'll go your route rather than mine. Understand this. We go up mountains for inspiration. And while it would be tempting to stay there all the time, we come down the mountain for purpose. And because that's where real life is. And there's work to be done and people who need to know what we've experienced through the mercy and grace of Jesus. You know who's glad that they came down that mountain? The father that we read about in the next few verses. 
who desperately advocates for his son who's possessed by an evil spirit. The people who go on to be taught by Jesus and healed and see miracles and, and us because we benefit from his death and his burial and his resurrection because he was willing to come down that mountain to face rejection and the abuse, the separation and the death. We have a, an opportunity to live life in him and to taste forgiveness. You know, I've been asked by a couple of people in the last couple of weeks why Angela and I chose to come back here a couple of years ago after being gone for almost 20 years. And I don't think I gave every, either person a very good answer at the moment, but I was thinking about it yesterday. And I think this is the reason I, I came here because we saw a church, a healthy church, that realized that there's still so much to be done. A church that has incredible mountaintop experiences, and we're starting to call those things come and see. But a church that's willing to come down the mountain and listen to Jesus, to his command to, to go and be. And why? Because that's what Love Unlimited does. The church exists outside of this place for the benefit of those who aren't yet members. And the truth is you get to live around people that we don't get to live around. We go up the mountain for inspiration, but we come back down so that we can go into all the world practicing show and tell with our neighbors or our coworkers or family or friends so that they can experience what we've experienced or what we're experiencing. That's why we come back down the mountain. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this moment in our service where we take a couple of minutes, a piece of bread and a cup of juice to be reminded of the fact that you know our names and that our names are written in the book of life because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Thank you for coming down the mountain so that we don't have to spend our entire lives striving to go up it. Amen. A few weeks ago in his sermon, Scott used a little phrase, and it's a little phrase that our staff and our elders have really been wrestling with, and the little phrase is this, go and be, and we've been wrestling with it from a couple of angles. First of all, what does it mean for go and be to start with me, with you, with all of us? And then secondly, what does it mean for our church to not only be intentional about come and see, come here to Third City and see what Jesus is all about, but also to be intentional about this idea of go and be, to come down the mountain, as Dan talked about in his sermon today, and to go and be within our neighborhoods and within our homes and within our workplaces and within the other places that we have influence. Yeah, it's not like go and be hasn't already been a part of who we are as a church. Uh, we hear lots of stories. Sometimes we know about them, and that's beautiful, and sometimes we're surprised by them. You know, we, we saw a picture on someone's social media uh, just recently of some, some ladies in our church who are teachers, and they decided our neighborhood needs a VBS. And so they, they threw a, fee, a VBS, and, and we ended up with this, and and uh, I think it was 13, 15 kids in the neighborhood experienced Jesus because people were saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be willing to go and be. 
and to use my free time uh, in a powerful way. And so, so sometimes we know about it, sometimes we don't, and every time it's beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Internally, especially over the last 18 months, uh, we've been working on some things that we want to share with you this morning. You know, this idea of go and be that you're going to be hearing more and more about um, is wonderful, but we are not going to stop being a church that says come and see. Come and see here in Grand Island. Come and see in Broken Bow what Jesus is all about. And so some of the staff changes that we're going to share with you this morning, that's why they're so important. Yeah, and the first one of those staff changes um, was actually you, Laura. Uh, Laura served as a children's uh, a leader minister here for years and years, and, and then she served in our First Impressions guest ministries area. And uh, about a year ago, uh, we asked Laura if she would step into a role sitting next to me. Uh, and so we both serve in the, in the title of executive minister. And uh, so in between services, someone said, you need a lot of help, Dan. And I was like, yeah, you're, you're right. And she's the right one for that. Well, those of you that don't know us, we're pretty opposite. I'm the funny one. He's the organized one. So <laughs> maybe I got that backwards. I don't know. No, I think it's about right. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that change in your role, uh, that necessitated for us to fill your old role. And we just want to share with you some of the things that have taken place over the last 18 months here uh, that we don't get to report too often about, about this kind of stuff. So, so uh, Terry Hand, who was one of your, one of your like, key volunteers for several years, she stepped into a role as uh, First Impressions Minister here at Third City Christian Church, and, and it's, been, it's been really, really good. And then some of the other role changes that we want to share with you this morning, most of them have been within our next gen, our kids ministry department. So the first one we want to talk about is our preschool. Uh, we had uh, Connie Matthews was our director for many, many years, and she stepped away uh, last spring to pursue other things, and we hired Sarah Landell. Uh, she has one year under her belt as our preschool minister, and uh, we look forward to her leading again this fall uh, in that ministry. And then secondly, uh, Dina Brooks. Uh, stepped into our Connect After School and Summer Connect program. Uh, Cass Westfall had helped to lead that ministry, and she went back to teaching here in Grand Island, and Dina stepped into that role and co-leads that ministry with Clayton Lowry. And then next, with, also within our kids' ministry department, uh, we have Angie Reese. She works primarily uh, with our Sunday morning groove ministry and our Wednesday rooted kids' ministry, as well as helping to lead uh, several of our special events within kids' ministry. And then we have uh, Amber Rutman, who came along as uh, part of our kids staff, and she does a lot of admin work. She prepares so many of our supplies uh, for kidsmen here in Grand Island and in Broken Bow and does numerous other things. And so in addition, uh, there's a couple of new staff members that we want to tell you about this morning that will be joining us later this summer. And typically when you think about next gen, you think about birth through high school, but this next position we're going to talk about really helps to take things a little bit further. Dan, why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, it's something we've seen a need growing in uh, every single year. Scott talked last week about the fact that both colleges that he attended, his, his undergrad as well as his, his seminary school, I think in this service he called it his cemetery school, I'm not sure, uh, <laughs> uh, that they had both closed their doors. And, uh, uh, and we see that happening throughout the country. Uh, and it makes us ask questions like, where, where's the next Scott Jones going to come from? And not just here at Third City Christian Church, but at churches in our region. 
And so about a year ago, we stepped into a partnership with a group called 4C, and, and they helped us get started on this pathway towards what a residency program would look, here, look like here at Third City. And, and there's some really good things that have come out of that partnership, but we recently made the decision that we're going to step out on our own in that, and we're going to start this residency program for people who are your age or younger, uh, who say, I could see vocational ministry in my future. And so we want to help train people and send people. Maybe hire them here, but maybe send them to churches throughout Nebraska that are looking for ministry people. And so uh, my notes got way off. And so uh, really excited to tell you that uh, Brendan Lang is going to be joining our staff. And, and uh, they're moving here from Chicago. Brendan loves all things school. So he's also an opposite of me. And uh, uh, Brendan's going to do a great job of helping to raise up new leaders. In addition to that, uh, he's going to continue to develop our rhythms uh, that are on our app that you should be using if you're not. Uh, and he's also going to just pour into our church as a whole and how we grow together in God's word. You know, as a church, we really believe that it is God's desire for all people to come to a saving relationship with him. And that's really where this go and be mentality comes from. But really, it's a decision on our part as a church to not stay on this mountaintop experience, come and see, but to come down from that mountain and go and be. Um, not only here in Grand Island, but throughout central Nebraska and really throughout the world to show the unlimited love of Jesus Christ to others. And so with that being said, the second person that will be coming and joining us on staff is Rachel Lang, and she is going to be our local global outreach minister. She's going to come alongside our existing missions team that has been in um, existence for many, many years, volunteers within our church. She's going to come alongside them and really empower them with our missions, not only globally, but locally. I think about Kenya and beyond, but I also think about right here in Grand Island. I think about our small groups and our rooted groups that are going to serve within our community and how can we best partner with the organizations here in Grand Island to serve those people well. Yeah. Both of them will be here in mid-July, and we're really excited for that and want to pray with you for them. Um, but I also want you to hear this. You know that song that we just sang, Here I Am, You Can Have It All? Uh, if a church becomes overly dependent on really good staff members, which we have, uh, a church will stunt and a church will stop. Because Third City is what Third City is because God has worked through way more than our staff members. He's worked for people who take seriously uh, the, the phrase, every member a minister. And it takes groups who are saying, we're going to throw a VBS in our neighborhood. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to love our neighbors like nobody's ever loved them before. I'm going to be a voice in the place where I, where I work or in our neighborhood or on my kids' sports teams. It takes you saying, I will be a minister. Not vocationally. Uh, I will be a minister. I will represent Third City. Because again, the church exists for the benefit of those who don't yet belong as a member. And so that they can come and join us here. And so I want to pray for Rachel and Brendan. But I want to pray for you too. And because if we're going to grow as a church, it's going to be because we're going to link arms and we're going to do this as one body. So let's pray. God, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for... Um, really great staff members here at Third City. We all agree, I think, that you've blessed us. 
uh, with the people who are already on staff, those who have recently been added, and with the idea of Rachel and Brendan joining us very, very soon. We're, we're excited for what that's going to do. But all of us, as a staff member, we exist to equip people to go into the places they, they work, the places uh, that they live, and the places where they have fun as a family. And they represent you wherever they go. So help us to grow in that pursuit of being a church that doesn't just talk about go and be, a church that does it every single day. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.